And in within teams, there is so much miscommunication. And we once heard it said the wise word, miscommunication leads to complication. In a sense, they say, if you're not on social media, you kind of don't exist, which I was happy to do that. And so, so, sounds kind of liberating. I, know, I like it. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. should try that. Let's go. Let's get into it. I would say one of the first things, and you said the word action, <laughs> that's going to be your key differentiator is whether you take action or not. Mm-hmm. And just remember for your audience, progress trumps perfection we've got some hey i'm luis and this is luis and welcome to the content is profit podcast and here you're gonna get the insights accountability and drive to create consistently and increase revenue you'll hear from top entrepreneurs creators and anything and everything you need to know about content all this while having a good time the goal of this podcast is simple entertain educate and turn your content into profit let's go you know is interview time that's right episode 406 fancy congrats yeah. Bro, we've been doing this for quite a while and we nailed that intro. We've made it far. <laughs> it's and not it, like we're Reddit or anything. Nope, nope. Anyways, if you guys are enjoying the show, please make sure to hit that follow button in your favorite podcasting platform. And now on YouTube, we're all caught up with all the episodes in there. More than 400 episodes for you to binge watch. Let's go. <laughs> per- perfect for that new update of YouTube podcast right oh, there. Oh, baby. Make Let's sure you go. go back and check out that episode. But guys, if today's guest helped you move one step closer towards your goal, please don't forget to share this episode because you can be doing the same exact thing for somebody else. And don't forget to leave a five-star review. That's right. So we're back with another guest we met over in the world of LinkedIn. That's a different world, honestly. (laughs) He's going to help you move beyond perfection, fear, procrastination, all while helping you become a better communicator. And of course, he has a podcast himself, Listen Then Speak. Make sure you go check it out. That's right. Make sure you hit that subscribe button in his podcast as well. Please welcome the one and only Jamal Marshall. What's up, Jamal? What's up, everybody? How you guys doing? <laughs> pretty good, pretty good. I bet you didn't expect this. Huh? I was like... <laughs> That's quite the intro. I love that. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, we need the confetti. I keep pushing so we can buy like a confetti gun and just be like, you know, every time we intro somebody. But yeah. uh, I'm also pushing for my brother to be the one that cleans right after. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's not happening. Hey, you know, I'm training Luke at my four-year-old. Maybe that that's his first job. We'll see. But anyways, uh, Jamal, super excited, man. We connected over in social, right? Like, we talk a lot about this and conversations that we can establish online with people that, you know, can become a podcast guys guess an opportunity a referral somebody like in that network right and i think we connected at a very cool level right it was just like hey let's get to know each other you talk to me a little bit about what what you do i talked to you a little bit about what i did and mm-hmm. uh, and then we we're like oh my gosh like what you bring to the table i think is your energy your topics the things that you do with your companies and the people that you help could be super useful for the people on on the show so do you want to share a little bit of like what you do with with the companies right and and then specifically I'm very interested on the, you mentioned before the, the show started, the mental health, right, of, you know, management and especially like how that translates into communication. Maybe we talk a lot about content teams and, uh, you know, how we have to build those as companies. So I think this is like very, uh, it comes in a prime time with the conversations that we've been having on the show. Yeah, it's a great question, Luis. It's, it's hard because I'm looking at both of you guys. <laughs> <with the same laughs> <name>. <laughs> I'm the OG Luis and then, you know, sexy voice over here. That's Fonzie. <laughs> that's, that's a great way to put it. So a uh, wonderful question you should ask, man. And I think in today's day and age, one, we're seeing the removal of middle management or at least people are trying to trend in that direction. 
And for me, the question I ask is when you remove middle management, you realize you still have to manage their direct reports. And in within teams, there is so much miscommunication. And we once heard it said the wise word, miscommunication leads to complication. Anytime teams are not communicating, anytime managers aren't communicating with their teams, anytime there's infighting, there's gossip, or people are just in fear in their communication, there needs to be some disruption. I see that word in social media so much. I'm like, okay, what are you exactly disrupting? Uh, define that for me. And so going in with teams, whether small business or a large corporation, to actually disrupt the flow of miscommunication and get behind the psychology of the way people think. I think a lot of times in the professional realm, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you work for corporate, whether you work for a nonprofit, and a lot of nonprofit is corporate if you think about the way it functions, we forget that we bring our full selves to work. We forget that when we come through the door, you bring your psychology, the way you think, your family history, your own history, uh, your triggers, your addictions, if you have them, you bring all of that with you. Whether you're a manager, whether you're uh, managing direct reports, or whether you report to a manager, you still bring your full self. And a lot of those things don't come out during the interview process. So whether you've been on a job for years or you just got promoted to a manager, whether you're answering to the C-suite, you still need to understand what is your innate behavior? What are the ways you're thinking? And are you approaching communication with your manager or your direct reports in fear? And is that a fear of rejection? Mm. If so, it'll keep you quiet when you need to advocate for yourself, or it'll keep you in a place of shutting yourself up when you need to speak up about a matter. And if you think about in the mid-level, they get the most hell. This is the highest place of turnover. And so you have all sorts of institutional knowledge walking out the door. But when you onboard a new person, what is that? That's six to $12,000 just to onboard a new person. So C-suite leaders and board members hear this. You need to hone in on this and be, begin to bring in consultants who actually mm -hmm. understand. Anybody can be a coach. There's a tons of DEI coaches, coaches out the wazoo since COVID. Yep. And then there's some of us who have done this for 10 plus years that actually know what we're doing and understand the psychology behind what we think. So I love going into teams to actually work with them, sit with them and find out where are the pain points and how do we turn those pain points into pleasure points yeah. with practical and applicable solutions. 100%. Um, I'm curious on like, what's the, the root of this for you like how did you get to this space and i did read a little bit of your story right and i'm sure there's a lot of you know motivation from that that pushed you to do what you're doing today but i think it would be a good context too for the listener right to understand a little bit more about you like who you are and mm -hmm. why you're doing this because i personally believe like what you just mentioned my mind went to It's like a relationship, right? Like when you go into a relationship with somebody, you're bringing all this baggage, all these things. And then throughout the relationship, you start to uncover it, right? I mean, you're not really having interviews when you're going into a, a relationship. Well, you could call them the dates, right? The dates could be the interviews. <laughs> mm -hmm. But uh, more often than not, a lot of that baggage doesn't get uncovered. Same as what you just mentioned, right? And in, in, when you're applying for a job. So I'm curious on how you got there to understand, wow, you know, like, actually a job is pretty much like a relationship and a lot of people just oversee a lot of these mental issues right mental challenges that people might have and then they obviously affect the performance and the business Fonzie that's a great question and I want to answer it and just be fully transparent I came from a very abusive childhood um and that wasn't on both ends I had one parent my mom who was absolutely divine And before his life was changed, my dad, who was mean enough to be Satan himself, at least in my mind's eye. And so growing up, I felt that 
uh, because he abused drugs and alcohol, I couldn't predict him, couldn't put my finger on him, did not know how he would be. Mm. And so I always felt like I had to bring more to the table than what was necessary. And that narrative, I felt that every other male other than me had some X factor that I didn't. And so I was always bringing more to the table than what was even required. And that followed me as a professional. That followed me in my dating relationships. It followed me in every job I was on. It followed me in college. I had the dean of students say, you are an overachiever. And that wasn't a compliment. She was like, look, get your cap and gown. I need you to get across the stage. I was actually trying to get a higher A than I got in a statistics class. She was like, bro, you, you've already got it. You're good. <laughs> and so if you put that type of pressure on yourself during the most formative years, you carry that with you as a professional yeah. and you go overboard in things that are unnecessary and you wear yourself out. And so when you get around other people, you try to ingratiate yourself and bring more to the table and you end up setting yourself up. Even when you come on the interview, you may leave money on the table because your fear of rejection of said hiring manager or team that's on a panel of interviews like, well, I don't want to be rejected by them. So let me just lowball myself. Mm-hmm. I would leave money on the table. I mean, it's just uh, it's amazing how this thing followed me. And, and I don't want to see professionals and adults waste all the time that I wasted when I was in that space. Yeah. And so when I talk about like how COVID has hatched so many coaches out the wazoo, it's like, what is your why behind this? Like, why are you doing this? Okay, you got your certification, you took your three, four months, whatever like that, and you got it. But is this something that is a not just a point of passion for you, but a pain point that you've lived. So that way, when you're not passionate about it, you're still giving 110% to your clients and really seeing them through from the valley to the mountaintop because you've been there yourself. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, 100. Uh, thank you for sharing, by the way, like uh, the story that I know that, you know, publishing and, and putting your message out there and sharing your story. Uh, it's it's a powerful way, obviously, to connect, but it's not an easy thing to do, right? So I, I really appreciate that, and I hope that's an example for a lot of people, right, to to go ahead and, and start sharing a little bit more. But I'm, I'm curious, right, we, we deal, in our line of work, we deal with a lot of remote teams, right? And, it, and we've seen many ways on how people communicate, whether that's very effective or not effective at all. And especially, right, if you're a company now, you're looking to build your internal team. Uh, specifically on our side, we talk about content teams, like uh, now that you see with remote work, right? Because you might have some people that are internal in the company that might be the the creator, the the production aspect, right? If they're handling in-house production, but then there's a lot of uh, contractors outside that might touch that content, right? Or that product that, that you're putting out there. What are some good practices that companies can uh, can start implementing today, for example, to start managing those relationships a little bit better? Some of the issues that we see have been, you know, uh, you, uh, the, the type of work that we do is very visual, right? So uh, appropriate descriptions, right? There's a lot of questions that need to be asked so we can get to the bottom of the thing that our clients want or the people that we help want, right? So what are some things that a company can do if they already have that internal team or they're looking to, you know, hire that remote team um, to in order to to have their ducks in a row, I guess. I'm going to use a P word that goes against everything corporate, and that's patience. <laughs> have the patience to actually vet who you're onboarding. Get to know them. Uh, before we got on here, we talked about that dating relationship yep. <laughs> that you're establishing. You're, you're kind of figuring, you're feeling that person out. And a lot of times, I, I think we do a background check, but many times we don't take the time to invest in a psychological uh, assessment of who that person is. Because if, if you think about it, our work, quote unquote, whether you're an entrepreneur, or whether you're a career person is an average of 48 or 38 to 40 hours. Sometimes we spend more than 40 hours in these places. And so you're expending a lot of emotional, visual and brain energy in these places. So who you are and what you are will come out. 
<laughs> so yeah. during that process, I would say for hiring managers, for content teams, really try to vet and get to know that person. And I know in the recruiting realm, there's a lot of impatience, especially uh, for clients. It's like, man, I need this job now or people in town acquisition. Like I need to staff this right now. But you want to take the time to actually get to know who this is. Can you build communication? Can you build rapport? Can you build camaraderie with this person? And does your psychology match theirs? In a sense, everything's not going to be a perfect match. Um, yeah. As you guys know, my faith is important to me. Some people are designing your life to, to grow you, to mature you. And so you're not going to have that perfect person. And a lot of times, even if you come from a cultural standpoint, sometimes we just want to be around people who walk, talk, look and act like us. You're definitely not going to grow if you're just surrounded by people who look like you, yeah. who sound like you. Yeah. But at the same time, examine who's in front of you further, because sometimes our own prejudices, the fact that we just may like the way a person looks, it's like we bring them on. It's like, man, this is the worst hire I ever had. So I would say patiently take the time to vet who you're onboarding. Yeah. Um, Covey, as it's one of the books that I work through with clients, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Stephen Covey says, begin with the end in mind. And I know in our work and our teams, especially when mm -hmm. things are fast paced and there's a project on hand, sometimes like I don't have time to think about that. Mm -hmm. You'll wish you had time and you'll wish you made time so you don't lose time mm -hmm. when you bought the wrong person on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, sometimes hiring the wrong person is, I mean, I, was, I would actually argue more often than not is more expensive, right, than being patient and hiring the, the right person. And, you know, as you're mentioning this, I'm curious because I do know of some organizations that they might use like the disk assessment, right? Or like anagrams, like all this type of assessment to determine what type of person, you know, they're hiring. I'm just curious on what's your opinion on those. Do you use those as well? Do you lean into some of those type of assessments when trying to, you know, uncover some of, we have a, we have a client that he calls this kind of like their, their trash from their past, right? And mm -hmm. I actually, I, I really like that term. So it's like, do you use some of these asses assessments to uncover some of this trash, right? That they, then they got to they gotta deal with? Or maybe do you have a specific kind of like flow that you use a specific framework methodology of your own that you implement in this kind of like eight weeks and, you know, uh, private consultancies that you do? Yeah, when I'm working privately with a client one-on-one, -on -one, I go through a pretty lengthy consultation with them just to kind of figure out who is this person in front of me? <laughs> you know, yeah. what is the psychology behind what they think? What are their pain points? What have they tried before me? You know, obviously, as someone who is a counselor or consultant, I'm not the first stop that they've had. Yep. And I'm, I'm going to say this, this probably hurts some feelings because I know you guys are in marketing. Um, they've tried better help. And then they found out, okay, Jamal's a lot better because I'm going to give you the biggest bang for my buck. I don't just get paid on a, you know, some yep. direct deposit just for an hour with you. Like I'm really trying to dig into the weeds of the psychology behind your past, your present, and let's see where we can go with your future. Let's get yep. you some measurable, specific results. And so Enneagram and DISC, I think are good, but they can also be subjective. You got to think the person who's taking the test, sometimes they put down things they think you want to see and they think you want to hear. Yep. So I think doing that interview, you know, I've been counseling 10 plus years. And so learning how to ask questions that unearth what they even don't want to tell you, I think is the best course of action. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So uh, my mind is going to obviously like trying to tie this into our world of, of content, right? And Personally, I deal still a little bit with uh, perfectionism, you know, obviously when every time you're going to put your message out there, there's a fear of maybe fear of judgment, right? Or even the fear of what if this actually works out, right? Like, 
what am I going to do next? Like all these things that people carry, all this baggage. And I kind of want to turn this now into the listener in a more introspective way for them to assess themselves and determine, okay, well, how can I possibly move beyond this fear, this procrastination, this perfectionism, right? So maybe what are some action points that you can give, you know, this person that right now is like, I want to move beyond all this so I'm able to take action, whether that is, right, operationally inside of my business or in the context of content is profit for me to create content consistently and put my message out into the world. Let's go. Let's get into it. I would say one of the first things, and you said the word action, <laughs> That's going to be your key differentiator is whether you take action or not. Mm -hmm. And just remember for your audience, progress trumps perfection. Yep. And I know it's easy to say that. And we hear that in the high performance space, but people often aren't getting behind the psychology. Like it's a reason why that person has those perfectionist tendencies. There's been some rejection. There's been some resistance in the past. Anytime they put themselves out there, there's been a they've been slapped back down. And yeah. so in a sense, it's like you just to tell that person, oh, just don't don't be perfect. Just do it. It's like they don't just do it. They're thinking of all the worst case scenarios. And so with clients, I tend to get to the weed of like, where did that thought have a root at? You deal with the root. The fruit will take care of itself. But my actionable advice would be detach yourself as much as you can from the outcome, because a lot of times we have an outcome in scenarios that we've made up in our mind. And it's not till we do that thing that we say, oh, man, that wasn't that bad or we're surprised by the outcome. And I love the way you also talked about the fear of succeeding. It's like, what if I actually succeed? Now what do I do? Take the next step and the next step and the next step and the next step. The, the action is going to be what goes against the grain of that fear. There are those of us who wait to know everything to do anything. That is unrealistic because there are just going to be some outcomes that you don't know. We are not Dr. Strange from the Marvel Universe. We are not going to know the outcomes. Definitely. So remove yourself from even that unreality. And I mean, there's there's actually help for people who live in that unreality because many of us do. Let's yeah. let's get to the weeds. Let's stop dwelling on the surface with all this high performance. You can just do it. Rah, rah, fluff talk. That stuff is nonsense and it doesn't help people. Yeah. I actually want to go down to say, OK, why is that there? Ask the why behind the what. And then when you start taking action on the very thing that you've seen, okay, what I've actually feared was that I'm focused on a shadow with my back turned to the light. I'm too intelligent to see it's me in my own way. Get out of your own way, take imperfect action, and make progress. And that progress actually begets more progress, which actually begets more progress. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I want to let you ask a question. I know you, you, the you mic asked something section in there. By Fonzie here. Uh, but I want to <laughs> share. I want to share a quote that I heard earlier today that I think it really relates to what you said, right? And the quote goes by: "Sometimes you can't believe your way into acting. You have to act your way into believing, right?" And I think that is key because a lot of times what you were saying right like you have all these images of the future and like that is just causing anxiety and stopping you in the tracks right like trying to think the what if what if what if is just anxiety and sometimes and i felt this myself like i believe in visualization right like have your mindset right like you know you want to know obviously like you said start with the end in mind but i feel like sometimes when people just dwell too much in that space of trying to live for what they want in the future all the time, right? Like visualization, they are creating anxiety to an extent and then that stops them in the tracks. 
and don't take action. So rather, I like what you're saying. It's like sometimes, you know, like just take action and then see what is the next step and then reassess and go from there. Obviously, you have your goal in mind. But um, yeah, just I, I, I thought that the timing was perfect. I heard this literally this morning and then you're talking about this. I was like, again, the universe put in a rather in front of us. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, I, I want to add to what you said, right? Like, especially like on the content side, I, I go back to like before the show, uh, we thought that putting in like the, the podcast that we have now, 400 plus episodes, right? was going to be, if, if I would have heard that three years ago, I'm like, boy, that's intense. That's crazy. I wonder like how much work, right? And uh, the first thing that we focused on after the first Phil podcast was like, hey, can we record one episode this week, right? And then we recorded the first episode and we're like, that wasn't that bad. We we're already set up. Let's do the second episode. And then the third episode, we ended up recording three episodes the same day and we built the first like process when that happened, right? Like I said, like take take action on that thing. And we were putting all these stories in our head uh, before and it was just keeping us, it, it kept us for a full year without publishing and publishing changed our life. Right. And and uh, and then we ended up building something that we were able to sustain for almost three years now or th a little bit of over three years. So like you said, I, I think is, you know, if we get out of our way and uh, we turn around, I like that quote that you said about the shadow, your own shadow. If you turn around, you'll be like, hey, maybe I can take that this little step. Right. And that counts from like either you are doing the thing yourself, like if we're talking the content side of things or if you have a team. Right. Give them the tools. Give them instructions and be like, okay, let's go. We've had some, some uh, no issues, but like there's a lot of feedback back and forth on, and content can be very subjective on how it looks or how it feels, right? It's like very mm -hmm. uh, sustained to like that creator uh, or the person that's putting it out there. And we totally understand that that's a concern, but at the end of the day, are we putting that content out there or is it just sitting in our drives, right? Can we put it out there and see the actual feedback of the people that are actually consuming that content, right? For them, that's going to be the best. That's going to be like the best at that moment. And then if you level up one, two, three, five percent, then that's going to become the new standard. But you've already built that. And I, and I love this topic of go ahead, take action, right? And then, you know, detach yourself a little bit from that. And then we move forward. So, no. um, yeah, I just want to kind of like, is it possible to break it down? taking action right or maybe are there how how do we push people into taking action because i personally been on the place and the spot where i know i have to do something but i can't get myself to do it right and it's it's a real challenge because then a lot of guilt comes right you're like man now i procrastinated i didn't do this and i knew i had to do it yet i didn't take action so what are some of I don't want to just say tools, but maybe what are some of the ways that you're getting people to finally be able to take action? Well, I believe a good counselor and a good consultant gives homework. Um, I'm not just a coach who says, let's just forward. Let's just go from here. It's like I give you homework to float you in between sessions. So actually you do take action. And there's actually a reinforcement of what we went over in the session and going against what that false guilt is, because the false guilt is a thing in your mind that's going to tear you down. The very thing that produces the procrastination was your own limbic system that was trying to protect you. And it hijacks your prefrontal cortex and it says, okay, don't do this because this is not safe. And so we actually talk about, you know, I'm going to actually bore you with counseling details here, but what's going on in the brain that's actually causing you to play it safe? And how do we find measurable ways to not go all in at once, but to take enough action when you put in the reps where that you then build a muscle where it becomes a second nature. 
And so the very thing that's foreign to you, the very thing that's the most scary to you, we want to slowly build up to that thing where it becomes a second nature, like coming in a room, turning on a light. Yep. Yeah. I, I was actually thinking about this uh, yesterday. You know how we talked about, you know, maybe that with the show structure, we've talked a lot about in the show and like, how can we make things a little bit different? How can we evolve the show? Not make it different. Like how can we evolve it depending on how, how we feel, the things that we want to publish, right? We talked about different versions of the show and uh, I was driving last night. I was like, why, like how, or why has it been so hard to implement like maybe new formats or new ideas? And right now we have, you know, the solo episodes and the interviews and that has been, it's grown quite a bit, but I came to a realization is we've built a habit for the last three years on this specific publishing platform. This is how we do the thing, right? And the, and it, it became very frictionless, right? Before, when we first started doing it, it was like two hours set up and the, the research and the whole thing. And now there's a system that let us, you know, jump on, have this amazing conversation. And then the back end, you know, is handled by a team currently, right? It used to be us, right? And I'm pretty sure that you've seen those systems on, on your side that you're like, wow, you know, the, from point A to point B, now I'm point, you know, Z. And, uh, but you, you get to a point to where, okay, how do you actually differentiate it? Should we evolve? Should we, you know, play with it a little bit? How do companies, right, or teams handle that moment, right? Like, I, and I'm not saying, right, for the audience, just so you know, like, we know that you love the format. We're not going to change it. I'm just saying, like, but there's going to be a time where, you know, uh, you have to pivot, right? Because the only constant in content is change, right? That it, uh, in, our, in our world, everything is completely changing. Attention resets, like, the, the way that people consume content, right? So, when it comes time, like, how do we recognize that pattern that we're like, oh, wow, we are in a habit, right? Maybe, you know, for whatever reason, it might not be the best habit. How do we pivot now and we develop a new thing or we evolve that thing? I would say people lie, but numbers don't. Check out the data, you know, and, and when you get to that place where something is a second nature and you're finding you're, you're in a state of flow, you're in that zone of genius, but you realize, okay, we need to make some changes here. Look, look at the data. Look at the feedback. Uh, one thing I do as a counselor, as a consultant, I send out surveys. I send out a midpoint survey to, to my clients. Mm -hmm. Like, how is this going? You know, where can we level up? Where can we improve for you? Um, and then I take those data points and I feed them to myself and I say, okay, where do I level up? Where do I give them the biggest bang for their buck? And I would say this, avoid wanting perfect feedback where you're getting, and not even negative feedback, but when you're getting feedback yeah. for something that needs to change, see it as an opportunity. Like, man, this is an opportunity for growth, you know? So the very things that are second nature, you will then go back to the place of taking calculated risk, fearless, calculated risk. Where okay, I don't know this. This is not a second nature. This feels yeah. like a, I need somebody to have their hand on the back of the bike with the training wheels on. But that's only a season. It doesn't yeah. it doesn't last forever. But you have to enter into that. Awesome. And I think for any of us in business, career and entrepreneurship, there's always that season where you have more hands on training, more hand holding, and then it becomes a second nature. But the thing is to take the action. And where there's fear, get help to address those fears because those fears have a root. Yeah. It, does that reflect kind of like your journey a little bit with content? Because I heard somebody told me that you used to didn't enjoy content <laughs> that, that much, right? Uh, and now that you, you actually embrace it and you love it and, you know, you, you clearly love having your podcast. So I'm curious, like, did you go through that process as well? Was there a fear hidden behind putting your message out into the world? It really, to be honest, it wasn't a fear, Fonz. It was just, I did not know anything about social media. Like mm -hmm. I'm really new to social media. Like I really got active in 2020 and it had nothing to do wow. with COVID. It was like before there was even a pandemic when 
I remember sitting in in a in a green room actually watching when this thing was still over in the east, over in yeah. China. And we were like, oh, it may make it or here or not. And I would just go through the woods and I would take this this very phone and I would just record minute and a half videos. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um because you know, after my dad passed, like, you know, one thing I, I didn't say is that we for the last 12 years of his life, we were really, really close. You know, That's awesome. um, he became a person of faith and we became thick as thieves. But when he died, I hated life. I hated myself. Mm. I hated my faith. I questioned everything. Uh, and so I would just go outside and spew profanity. I mean, yeah. I would just every F-bomb you can think of. That's what I would send up. So I started saying, OK, people are going to think I'm crazy. I'm just out on the streets yeah. here, just throwing up beeps. And so I would actually go into the woods. I say, well, there's nothing but deer and foxes there. And so they can't speak English. They don't understand what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. And slowly yeah. God began to get a hold of me again. And that profanity turned to, to praise. And I just would I would have these weird just ideas. And, you know, I came from a background of public speaking, background of counseling, understanding human behavior, and I would just yeah. share them. Uh, I would, they would, they all went into my phone. And so I started putting them on a, just a little platform called LinkedIn <laughs> and that caught fire. I had no idea. And so really for me, like listening and speak, the podcast, the business, the LLC, it found me when I wasn't looking for it. Mm. You know, I, this journey came for, for me unwittingly. Yeah. You know, because I wasn't one who was on social media, no Facebook, no Instagram. I had nothing. I just was, you know, uh, in a sense, they say, if you're not on social media, you kind of don't exist, which I was happy to do that. And so, so, sounds kind of liberating. I, don't know, I like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I should try that. <laughs> so it's not that I didn't like it. I always had a voice and and, yeah. and God's given me a gift that people under the frequency of my voice listen and they get a lot of value provided and it's life changing. But I wasn't using it to its maximum effectiveness. Yeah. And when mm -hmm. that journey started and kind of found me, it's just like, all right, I'm, I'm willing to embrace this now. Uh, and so, but I had to get away from things looking and sounding perfect. It took me like three months to get my first podcast episode off the ground. And I happened to have it with a five time bestselling author. Mm -hmm. And he told me, he said, hey, I've been with thousands of interviewers. He said, I will put you in my top 20. You're a natural at this. That's awesome. And so that really helped me keep going like yo absolutely this is what i should be doing that's awesome here so, you get a standing the, ovation the standing ovation from standing the, ovation that's, um, that's awesome and I, I think uh you're thank you by the way sharing your your publishing journey right and i and i think that leads to the next question i had right obviously we're on the podcast for us podcasting has been the greatest platform for us to create it allows us freedom time and and uh uh, on the on how we publish right uh, we've we've tried all the ways before and this was the thing that unlocked it for us yeah. um what motivated you right to to actually start a podcast like we're obviously massive fans of the platform just because it gets you very close to the people that you talk to mm -hmm. and uh i mean right yesterday i was going through a list of all the guests that we've had and i was like go, reflecting back and i'm like wow it's incredible that we've been able to connect and build that relationship with most of these people right um, so what, what motivated you to actually start on the podcast, right? After, you know, the, the story that you just told and, uh, and why do you actually keep go doing it? That's a great question, Louise. I, again, with podcasting, I wasn't looking for it. It, it sort of found me over mm -hmm. the course of, let's say I, I came back here to Washington, DC, um, close to when my dad was passing and around that, this was in 2017. So 2018 people would ask me like, are you a podcast host or your voice needs to be on the radio? I never even thought or gave a second thought. I was like, okay, well, it would just kind of go into the gray matter of my mind. Mm. And then when I started posting these videos, it was around the time when we had the, the pandemic. It was before that, but then when we had the pandemic 
And then we had here in the States, uh, the death of George Floyd, which was a cultural pandemic. And you really got to see where the world was with this. I wanted to speak to that with balance. And so I wasn't even mm -hmm. talking about mental health. I was just talking about it was so many, this is super conservative. This is super liberal. And I was like, well, I'm neither. I think there's yeah, a balance yeah. of we can think for ourselves and kind of break up the noise. So when everyone was singing soprano, I came in with a tenor note and said, I want to say something different. And so the Safety Justice League, which was a panel of three guys and, and one girl, they were the first people that said, we want to interview you on our podcast. I didn't have a brand. I didn't have a business. I was actually working for anti-human trafficking back uh -huh. then. And I was like, okay, so I came on to their podcast and that like swung the door open. The female panelist said, are you a podcaster? I said, uh, no, she said, you should be, you're a natural. And wow. so that is what opened the door and for me to become a podcaster. And I, I still was like, okay, well, that's really nice. Yeah. A group, a web team um, called Launch Kits, they contacted me and they said, hey, we have a domain for you do whatever you want with it. It was initially in its inception supposed to be like a social justice domain. I said, I don't think I want to carry that every day. Yeah. Um, that's pretty heavy. But I said, I can speak to it and I can make it what I want. And so that's how Listen and Speak was born. Wow. Uh, it went through a, a first iteration cool. and then it was born to be something for mental health, entrepreneurship, career, faith, and all those, the, all those intersectionalities. And so that is kind of how my journey, it found awesome. me. And so even this laptop I'm on, this very Apple laptop, they actually said they, they sent me two thousand dollars and said, hey, get yourself a laptop. A mentor of mine sent me this mic and said, hey, dude, I believe in you. I'm willing to bet on you. I just want you to bet on yourself. And so, y'all, you're talking to somebody who I wasn't looking for this thing, but it's yeah. like my destiny and who I was supposed to be was chasing me. That's and awesome. I finally let it catch me. Let's go. That's awesome. That Studio so club, which is better than an audience. I'm not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I bet everybody's in their cars like, let's go. Uh, I'm That's so excited. That's a great story, man. That um, is so cool. We just get like super inspired when people, you know, you know, listen to that feedback and, and put their, their, their message out there. I remember we ran a, a 45 live challenge a while back and we had about a hundred people that were like itching to go out and put their message out there. Right. And the, the whole idea was like, Hey, let's remove all friction of, you know, all the excuses, right. That's the friction is the word for excuses. Right. <laughs> and let, let's just go live kind of like what you did right. Uh, in the, in your walks. And it was just really inspiring to see people actually like coming alive. Right. And you see people that maybe that was the right channel for them. Maybe that there's not, but when you find your right channel where you feel comfortable, you understand, you know, you start exploring and understanding yourself because there's a process that happens when you put your thoughts from your, your head all the way out. Uh, and there's something wonderful that happens. Uh, it's super inspiring, man. And I, and I, and I want to, you know, commend you and, and congratulate you for that. And obviously, you know, we're big fans now. So, Keep, keep going, man. Don't stop. <laughs> and we're gonna leave. We're gonna leave the the link right below. Obviously, in the description, so people can go check out your show as well. Um, and then as 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 we wrap up, I where where would you be if you didn't publish? If I didn't publish, I would still be. And, and nothing against anti human trafficking. Uh, it's a very worthy work, and I, I think. It is so important yeah. if you have any extra money that you donate to that because there's still a lot of human slavery in the world today. Yeah. Um, it's it's a wonderful passion, but it's not my passion and it's not what I'm born for. It's not what I'm here on earth for. I would still be working as a global lead for HR managers and anti-human trafficking if I wasn't publishing mm. and I would be doing something I didn't want to do, but something I thought I had to do. Now I get to do what I love to do. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you so much for uh, for sharing, man. It's uh. 
It's pretty, pretty inspiring. And I love how things were going your way. And I can stop thinking how they were going your way, but they also kept coming your way because you were taking action. Right? Like, it's not like they gave you a laptop and a mic and then you stop. You're like, oh, thank you. Took did one episode and then stop. You kept going, right? And you keep proving these people in a way too that is like, hey, look, like I'm thankful for the support, for you know, the push. And uh I'm not just thankful with words, but like with actions, right? And I'm I'm glad that it has it has all worked out for you. Um, I feel like I'm just, even though it's kind of been two and a half years, you know, it was a side gig at first. Now it's where I am full time. Uh, I feel like I'm just getting my feet wet. You know, uh, I was looking at, you know, when you look at your simple cast or whatever your thing is that shows who listens, I was like, man, everyone in the States, people in Brazil, people in Australia and Africa and yeah. Tokyo in the UK, I'm just like, man, listen and speak is touching the globe. And yeah. I remember I was praying and God gave me the scripture says, ask and I'll give you the nations. I'm really grateful that the nations are listening to listen and speak. I mean, that's I'm blown away by that. And uh, I, I'm just floored. And I feel like this is just the beginning. Uh, I yeah. can't wait to go even physically to the nations. Absolutely. I, awesome. I, I would like to encourage everybody listening right now, right? Like, you know, if you are in that place where you are, you know, thinking about putting your message out there, I think this these are like great stories for you to like grab onto and be like yes i'm actually gonna go ahead and do it right i'm gonna go ahead and have those conversations whether that's online uh, online in person uh on instagram on linkedin on the podcast side of things but it just opens so many opportunities so you might want to thank you from the bottom of our heart man from coming to to our platform i i still need to go and book a, a time for your show i'm so excited i'm gonna be like oh my gosh what can i learn uh from the way that you interview people because you're so good um and uh yeah man, is there anything else you want to add before we head out uh i think you guys asked some really good questions uh <laughs> i can just tell your, your people where they can find me or if they need anything if that's what you want me to add yes absolutely you did mention right we talked a little bit at the beginning but you do have a 12-week program and, and also an eight-week intensive so um we're obviously going to put those links right below so make sure you send them to me if you haven't already but uh yeah how can people find you apart from that if they want to reach out to you if they want to chat with you on social Sure. You can go to my website, which is www.listenthenspeak.com. And I've kind of gone minimalist. I don't believe that you should be everywhere. Obviously, you can find me on Facebook. I'm not on Instagram for right now, but easiest place to find me also is LinkedIn. Um, get LinkedIn to me. I'm the only Jamal that spells my name the way I do on LinkedIn. So it's really easy to find me. Send me a DM there and you can also see my calendar links when you go there. Absolutely. Awesome. Guys, it, I would encourage easy. you definitely to visit his LinkedIn, check out his content. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it right here, man. You get some some pretty cool engagement. I'm going to creep a little to see what I can learn from you in there. But also, guys, connect with him, send him a friend request, and go on and chat with him. You guys, if you run a business, you have people that work for you, maybe that eight-week program, that 12-week program uh, can benefit you to help you uncover Right, all these things that people are bringing into your business so you guys can be in alignment and can work to grow the business together. So I definitely encourage you guys to contact Jamal. Sweet. All right, Fonzie, anything else you want to add? No? No, nah, I'm just thankful, grateful for you to be here, man. It was great 
I'm meeting you for the first time. So it's great meeting you. Great conversation. Uh, this is personally the reason why I love podcasting, just meeting cool people, uh, get, you know, getting new cool friends. And then hopefully we get to meet one day in person. Oh, man, I think that would be amazing. That would be epic. It's been a blessing, Fonzie, to talk with you and Luis. You guys have been amazing. Luis, can't wait to have you guys on. So <laughs> yeah. thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Guys, with that said, thank you so much for tuning into the Contents Profit Podcast. Go ahead and follow the show in your favorite platform, including YouTube and on social media <laughs> at this bros Co. That is right. And if Jamal here help you move one step closer towards your goal, please don't forget to share this episode and and leave a five-star review. See ya. Bye, guys.